For those of you who don't know me, and my name's Kevin, I'm, I have the honor of being lead pastor here, and it's just such a delight, week in, week out, together with my family here, and to worship God with you all. And that goes for those of you I've known my whole life, like my parents, and those of you I've just met, like some of the new folks who are gathering with us. We fully believe you're not here by mistake. God has something in store for you, whether it's in the message, in a prayer, even in an announcement, or a conversation before or after service. We trust that God will honor your sacrifice of being here today as we worship him. So what a gift it is to gather together to open his word, to to hear his word, and to continue to seek to grow closer to him. So God, we, we ask that you meet us here again and again and again this morning. As we open your word, we trust it never returns to you void. So may you bless its reading. May you bless our lives by what you have for us today. May you surprise us and delight us as we hear your word now. Jesus' name. Amen. So when did it get so crazy? The holiday season is here, and it comes with it a healthy feeling of angst and anxiety, doesn't it? Because it's just nuts. There is so much chaos that the holidays now bring. First, think about all the plans. There are so many plans. If you open like your, your, your date book, it looks like you're planning to like break into Fort Knox with all the little notes and lines and the scratches and the names and the details, right? Have you noticed people are just a little bit more needy around the holidays? You're all hesitant to laugh? You know it's true. So when you're making your plans, their emotions are heightened. And it's harder to figure out who, whose house am I going to win on what date? When are the kids going to nap when we work out these plans? And all of that. Kids are coming home from school, but we know they love us, but they are just hanging out with their friends the whole time. What do we do with that? Okay, plans. What about the gifts? So many gifts, right? Think about the gifts. We have three kids now. Oh my goodness, the gifts. We have our tally. Does this person have enough? Okay, they have the same quantity, but not dollar amount of gifts. And this one has a big gift, and this one has a lot of little gifts. How's that going to be perceived? And we're trying to figure all that out, right? And you're trying to figure it out too. Think about the tipping. Holiday tipping? Tipping's already crazy, and then there's the holiday tipping. You got to tip the postman. You got to tip the trash man. You got to tip the Culligan man. (laughs) The car wash men and women for all of those. And men, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot to think through and to plan. And then after you get all your gifts sorted and you have all your plans figured out, you actually have to gather and like get together with these people, right? And it's a beautiful thing to get to gather together and, and all of this. But sometimes family gatherings can get a little bit spicy, and you want to have a Thanksgiving? You want to just very gently tell me, it was a little bit wild there, man. Some things came up that I didn't think we'd talk about, right? We all have those relatives that we think about as we prepare to go to our gatherings, don't we? What's so-and-so going to say this time? Or you're like reading the headlines or watching the news and something comes up and it's close to the holidays and you go, oh no, because that's going to come up. 
Now, every family has those people. We're a little worried about how they'll behave when we gather. And if you can't think of who that person is in your family, I want to talk to you after service. (laughs) Every family has it. Kidding. None of us in this place are those people. And then finally, the waiting. Lines are long and we wait. You try and go out to a nice holiday meal at a restaurant and you wait. You like wait like two hours just to get your table. You finally get to your table and they're understaffed because the world's crazy right now. And so your food doesn't come out until an hour later and you're no longer eating for enjoyment, you're eating for survival, right? So you don't care that they got your order wrong because you're just that desperate. And if you're a kid, you really understand the waiting game. You wait for Christmas. It's 28 days away. Since Crosby, our four-year-old, learned Christmas is a coming, every day he wakes up, is today Christmas? 28 more days, buddy. Oh, okay, all right. So he waits and he waits and he waits and then finally Christmas comes and it's so exciting. And you're ready to rush downstairs, but you can't yet because your parents have to get things set up, which doesn't make sense because Santa's supposed to do it all, so what are we waiting for? And then finally they can come downstairs, right? But then you can't open your presents because we open them one at a time. And so you wait. You have to wait your turn and you wait. You have to open. Okay. And we finally get through all the presents. It's just all so crazy. All of it. All of it. All of it. Nothing ever goes as planned. Everyone is stressed. It is so chaotic. At some point, we just have to stop and say, enough. It doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Because as we get caught up in this unstoppable tornado of the season, we can so easily lose sight about what it's all about. It's not about simply surviving the Christmas chaos without losing our minds. It is about the birth of one baby who changed the entire world. At its heart, Christmas is truly simple. It's all about Jesus Christ. The fulfilled promises of the soon-to-be-fulfilled forever promises of God. It is about our Savior entering the chaos of this world to bring us his everlasting peace. That's what this series is all about. Reclaiming the simple. But not just simple, but also extraordinary beauty of Christmas. Can Christmas really be simple? Oh, yes. But as we'll find, it's going to take some work. In fact, in planning this series and everything, we found it was very complicated to plan a simple Christmas. (laughs) And today we're talking about how it also takes a good deal of patience, which you have all shown really well because you're like, get to the point already. It was a, uh, like I said, it's an interactive exercise to let you grow in patience. Today we're talking about waiting. 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 It's just the worst. No one's favorite place is the waiting room. The other day I ordered a package um, from Amazon and it didn't have two day, free two-day shipping. And it took a week to come. I thought I was living in the dark ages, man. I know that's how it was, just like, like not all that long ago, we all had to wait forever for things if you even got online. I, that was like the longest week of my life. It's just for a 
silly little thing, right? But, but think about it. We are all getting worse at being patient. We live in a culture that's all about instant gratification. Our devices have to be faster. We need shorter commercials. We need things now. The world around us encourages, it even rewards impatience. So while society makes every attempt to make our life easier and faster, consider God, who works on a very different timetable. Such is our dilemma as his followers of Christ. In his mind, there is nothing wrong with waiting. While our world longs for instant gratification, our God is patient and purposeful. God's timing, though it is so different than our own, it is always the right timing. Consider the words of the psalmist in Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word, it's flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. If God's ways are perfect, then we can trust that whatever he does, whatever his timing, it also is perfect. When we grasp that fact, like truly actually come to wrestle to understand that, then waiting on God is not only less difficult, it actually is ripe with the opportunity to be joy-filled. I, I enjoy cooking I've talked about this sometime before, but, but think about like a roast or perhaps that Thanksgiving turkey, right? And you are smelling it all day long as it's cooking. And you know you can't rush it. If you rush it, it's going to burn and it won't smell good or taste good. But in that waiting, you smell it for hours. You're longing. You're awaiting that moment. You finally can taste that promised goodness. The same is true for God when we wait on the Lord, but like times like a million, all right? The end result is always worth it. The end result of waiting is always worth it if we pay attention to what God is doing. We can find goodness in the waiting. Those hours in the house of where it's smelling so good, right? Sometimes that is as good or better than when we finally get to eat it. When was the moment in your life when you realized that God's timing is a lot different than yours? Perhaps it was an ongoing prayer that you had been bringing to the Lord, and you wait, and you wait, and you're still waiting. Maybe it's this longing you have within you, this deep desire, and it's just not being realized yet. And so you wait. Maybe you're seeking answers. You have all these questions. You're, you're trying to follow Jesus, but, but there's this wall of questions in your way and you don't feel like you can go forward until you get some answers. And so you wait. Or you're longing for new opportunities. Sometimes some come your way and you think it's the right thing and it turns out it's not. And you're crushed and you're defeated and so you're still longing for that new thing. And so you wait. See, in faith, we put our trust in God. And then our faith is tested as we wait on him and his own timing. But God's timing being different than ours, this shouldn't surprise us. It does, but it shouldn't. Consider the scope of the biblical narrative. 
God promised in the garden, Genesis 3, that in his cursing of Satan, that God is going to win. Oh, but we must wait. He promised Abraham and Sarah, you will have a son. But first, you must wait. How did Abraham do in that waiting? Not so good. And what did we find when we try to take things into our own hands? It doesn't go so hot. But what else do we find that God still redeems things for his good? Praise God for that. Israel, my people, you will make it to the promised land. But you must wait. And in all these things, you don't just passively wait. You don't just sit around doing nothing and wait. But wait upon me. Wait upon the Lord. Trust me. Follow me. For there is fruit in the waiting. We know this. One of these passages that is on our hearts for many of us reveals this to us. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who, what? Wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you wait on the Lord. Good stuff happens in the waiting. And then, of course, in the biblical narrative, we have the promise of the coming Messiah. Through God's prophets, he speaks. His word comes out. And it doesn't come out when everything is good in the land. It comes out in great darkness. And God's word rings forth. His promise comes forth that a light is coming. And this is what one of those prophecies says. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's his kingdom. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What good news. What good news. What good news the the people of God received in the midst of their darkness. Hope is coming. Rescue is coming. The light is coming. The Savior is coming. But first, you must, what? Wait. And how long did they wait? Over 400 years, they waited. That's no small amount of time. I waited a week for a package and went crazy. 400 years. In those 400 years, there were no prophets speaking. There was no revelation coming forth aside from the word of the Lord that was already established. We may sing of the silence of the night in which Jesus arrived. (laughs) That was nothing compared to the silence they perceived of God for 400 plus years. They had to wait. They had to trust God's word and that it would prove true in time and that out of his silence, the Savior will come. 20 generations it took. 
about 400 years, 20 generations. Have you ever had to wait so long for something that you so desperately needed and craved? Have you ever waited for something with all your heart and you're still waiting? You're still longing? You're still fighting against doubt that it will ever come to be? If it will ever come to be, you start to think it will never happen. It messes with you mentally, emotionally. It does something to you spiritually. And it even can start to pain you physically. That's what it was like for God's people. God, where are you? Do you remember your promises? You say you're going to come, but when will you come, Lord? It's been a long time. Save us, Lord. Then just a normal day. It's a normal day. There's this teenage girl. She's not from a wealthy family. Not at all, in fact. She grew up knowing the word of God. She knew the promises of God. But they had been waiting for so long. And as she was waiting for that, other things we wait for come into focus stronger than that. Specifically for this girl, she was awaiting her marriage, her wedding ceremony. She was betrothed. So she was probably thinking about that and what that new season in her life would bring. And she was probably planning, you know, after I get married to this guy, we're going to have kids and pray that that will go well. I pray that the child will be healthy and I pray that I can figure out how to raise them and, and, and that, 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 that I, I love them and care for them and that they'll come grow up in the faith and try and, you know, do some good things for this world. But that's a little hard. I'm just waiting for this marriage now. And so as she awaited that wedding day, the unexpected happened when the waiting on the Lord came to an end. Look at what it says in Luke 1, starting at verse 26. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings! You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Silence for 400 years. Angel arrives, already spoke to Elizabeth and her Zechariah family. And now Mary, not knowing, an angel meets her and says, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at those words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I be pretty surprising, wouldn't it? It's a very human response. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Place yourself in Mary's position. It's a lot to take in. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. 
The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Oh, and also, even Elizabeth, you know your relative, your relative who's old in age, your, your, your relative Elizabeth, who along with Zechariah had prayed and prayed and prayed and waited and waited and waited for a child, and it never came in, and it never came in, and it never came until God said, Here we are. That Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. In fact, she who is said to be unable to conceive, she's in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Praise be to God. Just like that, the first waiting, over. And a new waiting has begun. God had not forgotten his people. He came in his perfect timing to accomplish his perfect purposes. We have the gift of hindsight when we read God's account. We know the season of waiting was coming to an end, and we knew that with it, God changed everything. But while we have the gift of hindsight for this Advent, we also await the next. And some of us get kind of like antsy, like, Lord Jesus, come like now. Because it's crazy out there. And we need you desperately. And as we await his second coming, we're longing for God to meet us in this space, here and now, in, in whatever it is we so desperately need from him. And sometimes that doubt creeps into our mind and we just grow weary of waiting. When will it get better? When will it be over? Where are you, God? If you find yourself in that space, shall I say, when you find yourself in that space, remember, just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. He is with you whether you feel him or not, for he is Emmanuel. He is the God with us. God is always at work whether we see him or not. And when God reveals himself, we are reminded afresh that he is always, always, always worth the wait. We hate waiting. We hate it. We're bad at it. But in reality, waiting is all a part of God's great plan. And when he shows up, he will surprise you. You think Mary expected the news that came her way? Oh, man. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> she didn't know. No, I don't think she did. You don't always have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. We're going to talk about this more another week when we focus on plans. But for now, if you look around and all you see is chaos surrounding you, remember that our God brings order out of the chaos. He created light. He created the stars. He created the earth. He created the waters and all of this. And he formed them all together and holds them all together in an orderly way. He brings order out of the chaos. It's what he does. He'll bring order out of the chaos that you find yourself in. 
He will. He will. What does Christmas tell us about waiting? That out of the silence, out of the longing, out of the strained desperation comes a thrill of hope. Don't lose sight of that word choice, a thrill. Have you ever been on a roller coaster and you get that thrill of when you don't think you're going to live because you're going down and you're like, whoa, that's part of what roller coasters are fun, right? Because you think it's all over and then you're safe. It's a thrill. It's a thrill of hope. When you realize that God is at work and he is present and he is doing something, it smacks you in the best way. A thrill of hope. When our Savior arrives, a weary world rejoices. When our Savior arrives, light breaks through the darkness and we have a new and glorious morn. I wish we could all live in Alaska for a time when the light doesn't rise and you feel the impending hopelessness of the dark surrounding you. And then finally, when that light, that sun crests for the first time in forever, oh, a new and glorious morn. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What is the longing of your heart? May we all wait on the Lord. And whatever it is we're holding, may we wait on him and and trust those things to him. See, our waiting need not be impatient and frustration-filled like we feel at that wrapped-around drive-thru at Starbucks. Right? Because when God's involved, there is such beauty in the waiting. There is purpose in the waiting. When we wait on the Lord, our waiting is never wasted. So what do we do in the waiting? If we believe that, what do we do for ourselves as we wait? Because we don't want to just passively sit there and then nothing will get done, right? Like, I'm going to wait for my house to be cleaned. It's not going to get cleaned unless you do something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What do we do in the waiting? The first thing we do is we prepare. Prepare is an active word. We prepare. We prepare our hearts. We prepare our lives. We prepare for whatever God is doing in that waiting. I want you to think about these, these incredible athletes. Think mostly about like U of M, not, not Ohio State right now. Just kept seeing you guys out there. I'm not even a big Michigan fan, but it's just like, man... And a couple of the Michigan fans were starting to fall asleep, so I just had to get the adrenaline pumping again. Think of these athletes, these professional athletes. They live for the game, but they got to train. In the waiting, they are doing stuff. They wait for, for, for game time, but when they're not in game time, they're going through their reps. They're in the weight room. Believe it or not, I have lifted weights before, and there's something that happens when you lift weights, right? You're building up these muscles. It's causing those micro tears in your muscles, and you don't keep going, right, Colin? You don't keep overextending yourself. You need to rest. You need to let things fill in those little tears. Why do I say all of this? Because waiting on the Lord is our spiritual weight room. 
He is preparing something. He is doing something. And we are called to also prepare as we wait. Oh, wait room. Wait. Just connected that. But remember that. Waiting on the Lord is our spiritual wait room. We don't just sit around and wait for him to show up. Then he'll show up and say, what have you been doing? I sent this to you. I, I wanted you to do this. Why haven't you read your word? Why haven't you been walking with me? Why haven't you been preparing for me? You, we, none of us want to be that person that comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. He says, but, 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 but I need to go bury my father first. He says, let the dead bury their dead. Come, follow me. There's a lot to unpack there. If you're Ask me questions if you have about that, but we have to stay focused. Waiting on the Lord is our spiritual wait room. We prepare for his arrival. We put our hope and our trust in God so that when he shows up, we are ready to go and to march for whatever he brings our way, knowing he'll surprise us. We can trust him. For as Gabriel says to Mary, no word from God will ever fail. And knowing that, we then can respond just as Mary did. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So we prepare. What else do we do? Part of our preparation is to worship. It is to worship, not just Sunday, but throughout our lives. See, Mary, after visiting Elizabeth, uh, when John the Baptist, when they met, and John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy at Jesus Christ in Mary's room, and then what does Mary do? She breaks out in song. Mary sung the Magnificat. Is that how you say it? Magnificent? It's a word. And it's in Luke 1, 46 through 55. And look at what this says. In the waiting, Jesus isn't yet born. She's still waiting. Look at what she does. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. (laughs) Out of the silence, what? Oh, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Now, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She sang praises to God. She remembers who he is and what he has promised, what he has done, what he will do. She had not yet experienced the fulfillment of waiting on the Lord, but she did not need that to see the end, to know and believe that God is faithful and worthy of praise. See, it is one thing to praise God on the mountaintop when things are good and we're not really waiting on him because we are just in such, he's placed us in such a beautiful place and we can see his goodness and fullness and naturally we praise him on the mountaintop. But it's a whole different thing when we are able to praise him in the valley, 
when we're surrounded by darkness, when we can't see the way out, when we don't know where we're going or how long the journey ahead of us will be. And yet, when we praise him in the valley, we come to know him in a much different way. So we will prepare, we will worship, and as Mary did, we will also remember who he is. When you can't see what he's doing, when you're questioning what he's up to and where he is, remember who he is. He is the wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Remember what he's done. His character, remember. Remember his goodness. Remember his love for you. When you remember who gives the promise, the wait for the fulfillment of the promise no longer feels purposeless. Because God is with you. He has given you life and an eternal hope so we can wait on him with gladness. For we know who he is. And he always comes through. And as we wrap up here, I made a list of all these trivial ways of waiting, packages, waiting in lines, all these things, right? As we learn how to better wait on the Lord, even those small acts of trivial waiting can become training ground for how to live a better way. We can choose to be annoyed or impatient or to embrace the wait. Those trivial moments of waiting can help us calm down, to ground ourselves, to posture ourselves, to better endure the significant seasons of waiting on the Lord that will come our way. So perhaps, perhaps, may it be so that when we're waiting in the long line at Kohl's, because it's always a long line at Kohl's, holidays or not, I haven't been there in five years, maybe it's changed. As you're waiting there, people are on their phones, people are angsty, frustrated, all of that. What does it look like for us to wait patiently and peacefully? What if God is stirring something up? What if he has placed you in that line at that time for part of his kingdom cause? May God's will be done. And may we wait on him even in Kohl's, even in Starbucks. drive through. I don't know how you do that. But maybe it's simply to pray when you're in that drive through line. Those little moments of impatience and frustration in all of us, those build up like calcium. We need to chip away at that to better be able to wait on the Lord in all circumstances, big or small. Because in the waiting, God prepares us. So we will prepare our hearts. We will prepare to respond. We will prepare to be surprised. And when we wait on the Lord, we can find hope, for we know that when God moves, it will be extraordinary. We find joy knowing that God doesn't waste the waiting. And we feel loved knowing that God is doing a mighty work even when we can't see it. So remember who he is. Remember his faithfulness through the generations. Remember the God who way back in the garden said, I'll make a way through. It's the same God today who's saying, I'll make a way through. It's the same God who will come and say, see, I made the way through. 
Remember, he's always worth the wait. And through it all, he is with us, for he is Emmanuel. Praise be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Everlasting Father, how good it is to worship you. And just be reminded again of the beauty of waiting upon you. Lord, it's been said that our souls are restless until we find our rest in you. And so that's what we long for today, God, that we ground ourselves fully in you as children of you, as image bearers of you. We hear your word and we can say, that's who you are. We can stand here in the, in the valleys and say, that's still who you are. We can worship you on the mountaintop and say, see, I knew that's who you are. So God, wherever we are right now in our lives, whatever seasons of waiting we are in, wherever we're seeking to be filled and longing for answers, we pray that we find it fully in you. Fill us again, God. Stay with us as you promise you will. And prepare us even as we prepare and do the work you have for us in the waiting. We need you so desperately, God, and we thank you that you don't leave us to toil alone. Praise your name. We pray this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.